Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm in France, actually. So you hear that beautiful uh, music from the uh, from that little cafe down in the corner in, the, in Lourdes, France. We're here on pilgrimage in uh, Lourdes, France, with the Order of Malta, and all the interesting people that we meet, all the stories that we uh, that we hear, all of the uh, the moments that we experience here, especially down in the domain. It's such a beautiful place to be. Uh, and uh, so I invited someone who I was listening to earlier today, Monsignor Rick Cramblett. And Monsignor Rick Cramblett is a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And he has been, well, first of all, welcome, Monsignor. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, and, I, and I was hearing you uh, speak earlier today. We, we have opportunities on these pilgrimages to sort of speak, especially well, for, for the entire little, our little group but especially our group of Malads, those that are and their companions that have gathered with us and, you know, words of inspiration or just to help them kind of through the process. And uh, and you were sharing some things and we were talking about, um, like, why you've been back, why you come back. A lot of people think that, you know, once you've climbed Mount Everest, you pretty much you've done it. So why, you know, who's going to read War and Peace more than once? I mean, it's just, you know, and you, and you wonder why you come back to a place like Lourdes. And I I understand you've been here many times. Well, you're right. The first time I came was in the year 2000 with the Order of Malta. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have been here almost every year since, except for a year or two when my health prevented it or Mm -hmm. when I uh, had something where I just couldn't be here. Right, right. But But it's been now about... 16 times, I mm, think. Yeah. So, and and uh, one of the things you shared that I thought was interesting was that it didn't seem to get old. No, it's not old. In fact, for me, this place, Lourdes, the great shrine of Our Lady, has become a spiritual home. Mm. Every year when I come here, uh, it's like going back to Mother's house. <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean that irreverently. No, I understand but that. But back to that place where you just feel you belong, you know, where you're comfortable and where you're happy. And also you receive things there, right, in your home. You, you receive the, the blessings, the, your, your, the love of your parents. You receive your, the, 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 the graces that come through family experience. And so home is so much more. It's not just a place that you know, but it's really a place that you grow and a place that you receive the graces that you require in life. That's true. Now, of course, I'm coming with the Order of Malta. And every year there are so many of us who mm. come back. So in that sense, it's a family reunion. Mm, yeah, we, you're right. People from all over that we only see once a year in this place. But it's coming home in a, in a really a, a much deeper, a spiritual sense. Uh, this place that has become a source of such consolation and love in my own personal life. Wow. And now is that just from your experience of, of sort of being a, a chaplain in, in this, or is it, is it more than that? Oh, no. It's a, it, certainly it is that. But my personal story here uh, has to do with healing. You know, 
Lourdes is a great healing shrine. Mm. The Blessed Mother told St. Bernadette to go uh, drink and wash the water from the spring that she showed her. Right. And there have been healings in that water. Right. So now this is the 160th anniversary year. Right, that's 1858. Of those apparitions. It was 18 times that Bernadette saw the Blessed Mother. Mm. Since then, there have been 70 uh, cures that have been recognized uh, by the church, which is no light thing. The church doesn't do that easily. Yeah, there's a whole uh, office commission and devil's That's advocates right. and people looking at all this stuff. It's, it's, it is, it's not, you can't sneak one through. If you say you have been cured here, you have to submit to this incredibly difficult process where you uh, must bring your medical records before you came to Lourdes. Mm-hmm. You must bring the medical records after you claimed you have a cure. The cure must be instantaneous uh, and it must be lasting. And in order to prove that last point, the church would not declare somebody to have a miraculous cure uh, unless they waited for years after the event to make sure that the illness did not return. So there's only 70 of them. Well, it's a lot. You know, we, we should stop there for a second because a lot of people think like, well, why wouldn't you just announce it right off the bat? What can be the danger if they're too quick with saying, oh, that, that must have been a miracle? Well, you start to... Well, I'm not a doctor and I can't really answer this as thoroughly as I should. But there are cases where someone is just so overcome with emotion at this place that they simply feel better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in fact, the physical problem remains... So a miraculous cure says that an intervention has happened which has totally healed the person and that it happened uh, with no possible medical explanation for it. Right. Right. And we, and we don't want to build up false hopes and things in people and then have people say, well, that one turned out not to be one. You know, and you, you, don't, you, don't, you want to be, the church wants to be sure. That's right. So that's why the church has only acknowledged 70 cures. But having said that, there are thousands and thousands of people who come here who will tell you that in one way or another, they have experienced the grace of healing in this place. So, you know, healing can be physical. That's the kind of cures the church is looking at. But it can be emotional. It can be spiritual. Healing happens on, in different levels, in different ways. And my own story is, is right there. Um, so you, you, you had a, a medical condition? Uh, so I, yes. I, when I first came here, that was the year 2000. In the year 2004, when I was here, I came uh, with an anxiety level that was higher than the heavens. Wow. Because I knew I had cancer. And... I knew that after I went home from here, I was going to have surgery for it. I had never had surgery before, didn't know what to expect. I knew all the possible things that could go wrong because the doctors right. are naturally very clear about that. Yeah, they, of, let you, they let you know Many everything. of us know what that's like. 
Um, so I, I was just so full of anxiety. But do you think that, like, as a, you know, as a spiritual leader, as a, as a minister, as a, as a priest, a lot of people will think, like, you mean even priests will get anxious? They'll, you know? We're human beings. Yeah. Uh, so, so while I was here, I, I talked to one of the other knights of Malta, who I knew had had the same kind of cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was so helpful uh, and so encouraging because that's what the Knights of Malta do. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> but I have to say that when he was done trying to be helpful, it wasn't enough. <laughs> you still have the anxiety. Because, exactly. Um, no matter how, how much reassurance somebody gives you about what might come down the road, you still have to face the reality of it. Right. And there isn't anybody who can carry the burden of your illness except yourself. Illness is a very solitary experience. It's you. That's right. Mm. So there I was with that. And uh, in this place of healing. And I did two things. Well, I did many things, but I did two things. First of all, in my prayer in this place, I put myself into the hands of the Lord. And I said, all right, Lord, this is out of my control. That's the hard part, you know. Oh, yeah. When you have that sense that you're just not in control. Vulnerability is not easy. It's terrible. So I said, all right, Lord, you have to help me. So I did that. And then right after that, I went into the baths. Now, the baths are full of the water of the spring Mm. that the Blessed Mother showed to St. Bernadette. Uh, And this experience of going into the baths is so many things. It's, It's water, and so it's kind of like a second baptism. Right. When you go into the baths, it's a very dignified uh, process, but you're going into a bath, so you have to get undressed Mm. in front of other people. It's a vulnerable moment. And so it's a moment of great humility. Um, With the hospitality, the the, the men that assist in the the men, very, 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 uh, you said it's dignified. These these Mm. men are very uh, holy people. And they're very respectful. The act of going into the baths is one of the most spiritual things I've ever done. Wow. Um, so I went into the baths, you know, and they, they put you into the water. You know, you sit down and then they lay you on your back and they raise you up again. So mm-hmm. you go into the water and you come out of the water. And then I got dressed and I left. And I was walk- walking along the um, esplanade that is right in front of the grotto. Right, the baths are located next to the grotto. That's right, where the spring is. To go back to town, you'd walk past the grotto. That's right, where the Blessed Mother appeared. Mm. And as I was passing the grotto, I thought, (laughs) I don't have my anxiety anymore. Somehow, from within myself, I knew that it was all right. Wow. You know... I knew the surgeons were going to do what the surgeons had to do and what they were trained to do. But I also had that real sense, the true sense, that the real healer 
is not a surgeon, how matter, no matter how skilled he is, but it's the Lord. We read all those curing stories in the, in the New right. Testament, in the Gospels. And I had put myself into his hands, and I had gone to the Blessed Mother and said, Go talk to your son, please. <laughs> I need this. She does that for us. And she did. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of it. So I'm walking along in front of the, in front of the uh, grotto, and just from within myself, I knew it was all right. I knew that no matter what happened, I would be fine. Was this like a profound, just a, a sense that came over Very you? much. And from within. Do you know? Wow. Wasn't anything like somebody standing next to me saying, there, now don't you feel better that you went to the baths? Wasn't anything like that. It was just from within. And from, with someone who had so much anxiety, that, that had to feel almost miraculous at that. Because it just seemed like that anxiety was just lifted off, off of you and you didn't see it being lifted off. You just experienced it. There was an overwhelming sense of peace and serenity. Wow. I think part of that comes in surrendering to the will of God. You know, on Good Friday, we read about Jesus who became obedient even unto death. And I think what obedience means isn't that he fulfilled a command from God, but that he submitted to God. And when I did that, I knew it was fine. Wow. And to me, that was the great moment of healing. So we're going to talk more about uh, Monsignor Rick Kramblitz's feeling of healing, as it were, uh, his profound experience and what he experienced here in Lourdes. Before we uh, come back, we've got to take a break, but before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Blessed Maria Karlowska was born the fifth of ten children to poor but pious parents in Karlova, Poland in 1865. Orphaned while still in her teen years, young Maria had a great love for Jesus and soon developed a strong devotion to his sacred heart. While working as an apprentice seamstress in Berlin, Germany, she started ministering to the sick and poor, especially young women. She felt a strong vocational calling to full-time ministry and made her way back to Poland, where she focused her ministerial efforts on the spiritual and social rehabilitation of women who worked in the streets as prostitutes and those who suffered the physical trials of sexually transmitted diseases truly women who were lost and forgotten. Maria's holy zeal attracted several other women disciples to assist her in her work and who lived in community with her. This vibrant community was officially recognized by the Vatican as a religious order, the Congregation of the Good Shepherd of Divine Providence, or the Good Shepherd Sisters. Those in religious communities seek to mirror the life of Jesus and bring Him to all those whom they serve. About the work of the Good Shepherd Sisters, Blessed Maria said, We must proclaim the heart of Jesus, that is, so as to live from Him, in Him, and for Him, 
as to become like Him, and that in our lives He may be more visible than we ourselves. Through their tireless efforts, the sisters help heal the worldly wounds borne by many women and restore to many souls the light of Christ, helping them to regain their lost human dignity. At Sister Maria's beatification in 1995, Pope St. John Paul II said, Her holy works in extremely difficult conditions showed in all its fullness the dignity of woman and the greatness of her vocation. She showed the feminine genius which is revealed in deep sensitivity to human suffering. Often this is shown without drawing attention to itself and therefore is sometimes undervalued. How much today's world, our generation, needs this. How badly needed is the feminine sensitivity to the things of God and man, that our families and all of society may be filled with heartfelt warmth, goodwill, peace, and joy. How much this feminine genius is needed that today's world may esteem the values of life, responsibility, and faithfulness, that it may preserve respect for human dignity, for God and His eternal plan has established such a role for women. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm talking to Monsignor Rick Cramblett priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And Monsignor Cramblett, you were just, you were telling us about this profound experience that you had in, in Lourdes. And I guess we want to clarify that you still went back and had the surgery, right? You still went oh, through absolutely. all of the, so it wasn't like a cure in the sense that it was all gone, you know, a, a wonderful, uh, miraculous healing, but there was still a miracle involved. Well, the, Doctors did their part. I absolutely had the best doctors in the world mm, yeah. to work with. Um, so they did their part. But, you know, as I said, there's so many different kinds of healings. There's the physical, the spiritual, the emotional. Um, and having come here now, what, 16 times, I think, over 18 years, I have met so many sick people who are coming to this place and praying and praying, I have to say, desperately out of their need. And I have seen so many different kinds of healings. More than anything, I think it's exactly the kind that I had, which is to say people come here tense and wondering what's happening, feeling like their life is out of control, and going home at peace and ready to deal with whatever they have to deal with. That's a gift from God. Uh, absolutely. You, you look at the world, Monsignor. I know you've seen the world, and you realize just people are they're clamoring for stuff, things. They're trying to fill holes that are in their hearts. There's so much division. There's you know all this stuff going on in the world, and really people think that, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get over this, I've got to win the lottery. If I'm going to get over this, I've got to have a new job or I've got to whatever, or, you know. And we see all these big things and we don't realize that really, and sometimes people will say, like, what, what should I pray for? Is it okay to pray for the, to win the lottery? It's like, well, you know, I suppose it is, but maybe we should start with, like, just praying for peace, to be at peace with whatever 
We are because that even if you're poor and you're at peace, you, you're you've got some kind of joy-filled hope there, right? You, you know, and so that peace that you would feel is ultimately a beautiful gift. It is. I think one of the things that people learn when they come here is how to pray. And I know that sounds silly because so many people who come here have been praying all their lives. The Bless rosary, Lord in these the rosary, days, right? the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, the Creed, all of the regular prayers. Yeah. But when they get here, what they learn how to do is not just say the prayers, but to open themselves up to the grace and power of God mm. and to put themselves at the disposal of God. And out of my own experience, that's when prayer really becomes effective. I think that's when God most listens. And I think that's the kind of prayer that Our Lady takes to the heart of her son. You know, someone opens themselves up to God. She hears this in this shrine. She takes it to him. And he will answer but the, the the secret to making it all work is to approach the Lord with a sense of trust. So you can't pray, as I think some people do, with a sense of, oh, I've tried everything else, so I mm-hmm. think I'll come here to Lourdes. Maybe that'll work. Right. That's testing God, and testing God doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and you can't pray as if it's just perfunctory. I'm here, I'm going to say the prayers because everybody else is. That doesn't do much. Right. It's all a matter of what's in the heart. Prayer is that is from your heart to the Lord's heart. You know, the, the Psalms often speak about the groaning, right? The groaning in the heart. And, and, and at first, when I first read that, I, I always thought, like, well, what, 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 what is it, like, griping? It's like, no, it, it to, it's more of the, the very core of your being and just pouring yourself out to God. Oh, I think that's right. And I I see that here so much. People who are just in great need in this place, and they're reaching. And maybe they've reached out to doctors, and maybe they've reached out to relatives, and maybe they've reached out to who knows who. But when they come here, they suddenly feel very comfortable reaching to God and that changes their lives. Mm. That's that's powerful. And it, and maybe is that is that experience part of why you keep coming back? Why it never gets old? Why you always oh. learn something or gain something? Well, having had my own experience, and you know, the, my surgery was very successful, and I'm cured of of that. Um, but here's another sort of extended piece. Once that. It, event was over in my life, that sense of serenity and peace and trust in the Lord, even in the face of difficult things, that stayed. Abided. It did not go away. So, just a year and a half ago, I had to have surgery again for something else, and it was even more serious and more delicate. But you know, when I approached that, I didn't have the least bit of anxiety. I was able to just say, all right, Lord, I'm back, (laughs) and I trust you, and I know you're going to take care of this one way or the other, and whatever you want, I submit to you. It's okay, and I know that in your love, you will hear me. 
Pope St. John Paul II spoke of this being in a state of continuing conversion, that we're, that we're never there until we take our last breath, that we're always trying to go closer to God, closer to Jesus. So every day is a new opportunity to be closer. Well, that's absolutely right. Um, from my own experience, I just know that. And I think lots of people who come through this sh- uh, shrine of Our Lady of Lourdes, they learn it. How has this helped your ministry? Because obviously this has spoken so deeply and profoundly to you. And, and as a minister, you know, it, 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 it's internal, but also it just goes outward. And so obviously it's helped you in some ways in, in helping and working with other people. And well, there's a very direct way. Any number of times after I've gone home from Lourdes on a Sunday morning, I've preached about what happens in this place. And I find, found that when I did that, people were just instantly curious. They wanted to ask questions. Mm-hmm. They wanted to know about, well, miracles. Right. Do they really happen? And, um, well, what else goes on there? You mean you go there for an entire week <laughs> and it's all prayer? <laughs> well, of course, it's not all prayer, but it is a whole week that, that we come every year in the Order of Malta. And people come here and are surprised at how much there is to do here um, in terms of making a pilgrimage. I have found Lourdes to be the most spiritual place I have ever been. When I come here, it's like entering into this world where the worldly values are just turned upside down. Suddenly... God is present, and God's love is present among everybody who's here. You don't find that anywhere else. No. So it's a great place. Yeah, I love coming here, and, uh, and, and what you've said is so powerful. And I hope people hearing this realize just what a, a profound place Lourdes is. And I've heard things about Fatima and some of the other places. Uh, this is so special here with the waters uh, and what goes on in Lourdes. And so I encourage people to, to make some kind of uh, attempt sometime to, to come and visit and see what's going on here. But, but even so, there are shrines all over the U.S. Uh, dedicated to Lourdes and, and opportunities to go and to pray and be part of this great spiritual uh, experience here. Monsignor Cramblett, thank you so much for spending time sharing your very personal but very beautiful story of, uh, of, of faith and conversion and, uh, and grace and peace in your life. Well, you're very welcome. I'm happy to do it. I'm always happy when I get the chance to talk to people about Our Lady of Lourdes. Well, let's speak to Our Lady uh, and ask for her intercession. Sure. Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly. Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.